This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 85 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson with my co-host Joshua Perry. Of course, this podcast brought to you by Bet Online. And for the third consecutive week, I think we might break a world record. We are having technical difficulties before we started this podcast. And we like to share this information with you guys just to let you know that this is never a smooth operation. It might look like it when it's all said and done, but that's what makes us so fun is we always like to go through <laughs> the ups and downs uh, in terms of this podcast, but we get it on and we get you the information and that's all that matters, right, Joshua? This recording is so effortful. and I just want people <laughs> to understand that um, we're not doing this for us. We're doing this for you because we love right. you. Um, exactly. And so our pain at seven, eight in the morning becomes your pleasure whenever you flip this thing on. So just remember that as you're listening. It's funny that you said, you know, seven, eight in the morning, because we've had this discussion before on this podcast, letting you guys all know that we usually do these podcasts, recording them in the early mornings. And so I was um, on with Marty Bannister this last week talking about high school football. And he, first of all, is a, a listener of our podcast, which is awesome. And second of all, he did mention that he was like, yeah, I heard you guys do this really early in the morning. He's like, I could tell sometimes Joshua just goes off on those rants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was awesome. No, I got to get it in. Shoot. Right? So, you know, we appreciate your guys' feedback. And hey, not all of us can get up this early in the morning. I think we should get a reward for that. Okay, let's jump into this week's topics. And we are kind of just slowly inching towards the start of what a lot of people hope is college football. But Joshua, there is still so many unknowns here in July. But the thing is, is we're now getting close to the time where these schools have to start making decisions and specifically these power five schools who say they are just waiting for a couple more weeks to finally, you know, figure out what they're going to do. But this is going to be a crucial time. These next two weeks, I think a lot can happen um, because you're, you're getting into the time where it's moving from voluntary workouts to mandatory workouts. And that's when, you know, some of these decisions have to be made. I know that I was reading some quotes from some different schools around the country. And this one stood out to me too, because with so many unknowns with COVID and the numbers 
still going up in our country, especially um, with a lot of these athletes are now coming back together. West Virginia athletic director Shane Loyne says, you know, you don't want to play with a dismantled team. And especially at the college level where, you know, obviously football's a big roster. But if you guys, if you get half your guys wiped out from COVID, they're out two weeks, what are you going to do? That's the kind of the question there. And, yeah. um, you know, football, regardless of how big the rosters are, like there is typically a drop off between your starter and your second yeah. string guy, because, you know, your starter might be an experienced two, three year veteran and your backup guy might be a freshman. And in this case, if they're a freshman, they they have no idea what they're going to be doing because they haven't been able to have the typical training schedule that a freshman would have, et cetera, et cetera. I, I've got a couple of thoughts on what's going on, and they're not very positive at this point. And I think, um, you know, ADs are, are really trying to uh, wait until the last moment because they're looking for some glimmer of hope um, so that they can announce that football is going to be played. But I think the reality of the situation, too, is that if you're a power five athletic director, I don't think you want to be the first one to announce that your school is not playing football. Yeah. Um, so I think they're, they're all kind of waiting and there's going to be a domino. Once the first one comes out, I think many, many more will, um, which is just a shame. But when you, when you're looking at cases like Ohio, for example, um, you look at the trends and like cases have gone up, obviously um, deaths in the last 24 hours compared to the 21 day average are pretty stable. But then you look at last 24 hours for hospitalizations, um, you know, they're up quite a bit. And then ICU admissions are up a little bit too. And we, we know that the deaths follow the hospitalizations and the ICU admissions. So I think in the next two weeks, it'll be telling whether um, these cases are people that are recovering uh, in the hospital, or if these cases are leading to more people dying um, than what we had kind of stabilized a month or so ago. But the reality of the situation, talking to folks who I know in media who are connected with athletic directors to talking to uh, folks in different sports who um, are in administration and coaching that I know from talking to people who work as agents who I know, um, it's, it's, it's really a toss-up. I know basketball is planning on uh, playing in the spring for a lot of these programs um, because they want to avoid a second wave and <laughs> And kind of my thoughts there is I think we're in the middle of a second wave. I think they're trying to avoid a third wave. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk to uh, football media people who know some of these athletic directors and, and they're not extremely confident at this point. Um, and then just from talking to my agent and some other people who I know within that business, the NFL is making plans. Obviously, um, you know, their preseason is, is uh, completely up in the air right now and they're trying to figure out what to do with um, their injured reserve and, and kind of how they will handle quarantine and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the reality of the situation is I think there are too many moving pieces at this moment for anybody to yeah. feel overly confident. Uh, we just kind of need to find a break somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's why I said just these two weeks, I think are going to be crucial in having to make a decision. We'd already seen the Ivy league coming out and pretty much saying that they're pretty sure, I think 98% sure that they're going to, wait to play college football in the spring is an article that I had recently read about the Ivy Leagues. And you had mentioned about the NFL and I know currently the NHLPA recommended recommended to the league that they don't want to play any preseason games. And look, the NFL is going to do everything it can to play this season because it's the biggest moneymaker when it comes to sports in our country. But college football is, while it is a big moneymaker, these kids, I mean, these are these are high school 
high school athletes, college athletes, or student athletes. That's the difference. And again, you're hearing so much from all these different schools. I heard that USC just this past week is considering going all online, at least for this the first part of the school year. So you have, like you said, the trickle effect. You have one school say, we're not bringing kids back on campus. That means there's not going to be college football. And then everybody else starts to follow. And I will say this right now. You said it takes one school to kind of make a decision in that Power Five conference. And I have a feeling that it's going to be the Pac-12 that's going to make a decision. And I say that because everything is is so different over there in terms of, I think when I was talking to my brother when I was in California, he was saying that California, Oregon, Washington, that whole entire strip of the West Coast, they're all kind of on the same page when it comes to what they're doing right now. So, you know, you look over here where we are, and there's some states that are doing similar things, but everyone's kind of on their own, you know, path. Whereas over there, everyone's on the same page. So I just feel like the Pac-12 is already making a decision um, in, in order to um, play or not. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And on the note of that, Joshua, speaking of the Pac-12, I had just read this actually. Um, interesting in the midst of all this that I guess the Pac-12 uh, presidents are considering buying out Commissioner Larry Scott um, before his contract comes out, which is so funny because we've been talking about this for a while now um, that, you know, why is he still the commissioner? But at a time like this, that makes you wonder even more. He's, he's Maybe he's just not doing anything. You know, maybe he's just not, He's he's probably pissing a lot of people off over there and they're like let's just get him out here now you know yeah i mean now is the time if you're gonna make a move like that i, I think know you have a pretty easy excuse um you know in, in kind of scapegoating covid and the whole deal um i want to touch on something that you said though about um the difference between the nfl playing ball and college football and mm-hmm. i think the distinction is uh it's a big deal because you know, if you're a rookie in the NFL, your your minimum salary is close to half a million dollars a year, yeah. if, if not already. Um, and so you got a half a million reasons and a half a million justifications to mm-hmm. um, to a certain level of risk. If student athletes are supposed to be just like everybody else on campus and you're trying to find ways to do distance learning or hybrid learning or whatever the case, because you think there's a risk of being on campus, then there's not a chance that you can tell me that um, that playing sports on campus is an essential business. And I think even if it is an essential business, I think anybody who is unpaid within that economy um, yeah. should not be considered an essential worker, if that makes sense. Right. And so I think that's why this is more complicated. Like you see the NFL, um, they're making adjustments to play football. You know, they, like their whole goal is we're going to put a product out there this fall. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to the collegiate game, they have to really decide if playing football is the right decision, not football is the right decision. What's the right way of going about it? It is, is football the right decision? So I'm, I am very curious to see how that all plays out too, because if I'm a student athlete, um, I think right now is probably my best chance of maybe flexing my muscles a little bit to try to see if I can um, get a little bit more leverage into to doing this season um, on my own terms and not necessarily what's mandated by the athletic department, et cetera. So um, just 
wanted to kind of put that thought out there. I think that's why um, college ADs are having such a challenge with this is um, they understand that the the current framework that they have to work in, uh, it's made them a ton of money in the past is, mm-hmm. is not uh, so easy to navigate when you have to make decisions on uh, risk levels with unpaid uh, folks that, that stand yeah. to make you a lot of money. That just, it complicates things to a whole different level, like you said. So I would say here in the next couple of weeks, we're, we're probably going to be talking about uh, some significant uh, piece of news that has come out. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Well, there is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are, like we said, slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on that website. Now, looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline, they have hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, prop bets to check out as well. Visit betonline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE for your free welcome bonus. Uh, That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online waging experts. We move into a name that we've uh, brought up quite frequently on this podcast, Mike Gundy. It's not been the best uh, news when we've talked about him recently. And I still have questions when I'm going to introduce this next topic, and I'm very curious to what you have to say about this. So just this past week, it uh, came out that Mike Gundy would take a pay cut. We all know what happened because we discussed it on this podcast with Chuba Hubbard and um, Hubbard pretty much calling him out and good for him because he actually has made some change, it looks like, within this program. Um, Oklahoma State went through a two-week review with Mike Gundy. He has decided to take a $1 million pay cut. Uh, His contract length was shortened from five to four years. His buyout cut from five mil to four mil, and his guarantee dropped from 75% to 50%. Now, he wanted to let all his players know he wasn't all talk. And so this is part of the reason, while I'm sure the AD and Oklahoma State was also like, (laughs) You do this or you're out. Um, he said that he wanted to make a statement. Uh, Joshua, your your thoughts. I just, to me, like money doesn't make a statement always, right? Like you still have to prove yourself now from here. That that was basically going to be my point. And I, I think probably the 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 bigger thing out of this, like what's a million dollars to a guy making that much exactly. money who's made as much as he has? Right. Um, the buyout being cut down, I think, is interesting because it makes it a little bit easier to part ways if you're the university um, and you have any more issues with them. So I think yeah. his job security um, is is lessened. But the reality of the situation, too, is like, again, what's 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 money to him at this point? You know, like, I, yeah, I, I need to see some substantive action. I need to see players coming out, you know, really supporting this guy. And I want to see you know, the outreach that they're going to do and, and how he's going to apply the conversations he's had with his team to the community, probably the more important thing there. It feels like a little bit of grandstanding. And, and, and again, I'm you know, whatever you got to do uh, to make your statement, go ahead and do it. But at the same time, like, I want to see action. I don't want to necessarily see pay cuts. Yeah, no. And, and that's that was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw, you know, the the money being a part of this. 
I want to see a headline that says Mike Gundy, you know, gets together with his players and they're doing a weekly, you know, round of education on this and that. It, like something that is going to show me that he's actually wanting to change his mindset on things, not just because he's the head coach and he feels like he has to because he coaches African American players, right? I mean, That's kind I of want the deal to, there. Yeah, I know, and I, it's just like, do, do people? I don't want to not give people a chance to change because that's, you know, everybody gets, I guess, their right to change in this world, even though some people, you know, I, I don't know if ever can, but I, I, I'm like, is he gonna, is he gonna actually change a little? Can we see that happen? Or is this all just so he can keep his job? Because in my opinion, I don't know how many other schools are looking at him right now and wanting to deal with hiring somebody like that with, with all this garbage that comes along with it. Yeah, I, I I probably wouldn't. Um, you know, yeah. it's just it's not the right time uh, for all of this. And uh, the reality of the situation is you're spot on. Like he's got to he's got to prove over time that he is a changing person. This this uh, one moment, this one action isn't necessarily going to change my opinion. Uh, once I see things continue to change, mm-hmm. then my mindset about him will continue to change. Well, and it will be interesting to see if they do play this college football season what that team is going to be like, right? Does, is this something that brings a team together um, because they're like, you know, we're going to play for each other or is it going to be something that kind of separates them just because there has been so much going on. And, you know, you hear from these players here and there, but you don't know what the whole team's overall opinion is. Right. I mean, you just hear from some of the bigger name players, which you hope they're the leaders kind of leading the way, but, um, it will be interesting to see actual product on the field and, and what they look like um, and how this has all affected them. So that that will be interesting because I swear we've said his name about every other podcast. For sure. So, so hopefully we just let it play out on the field now and see what happens. So I wanted to bring this next one up to you. And these are just some of mine that I've put on the list when it comes to this next season because I want to get your opinion on some of these underrated teams because we always see during this time of the year and usually it's it we talk about it a lot more because we're not talking about covid but we see okay what teams are going to have a shot at the national title this year you know what teams are going to be top 10 and then we hear a little bit here and there about you know some of the teams that are underrated but it's usually those where maybe one or two people who are the national writers say it. And then we all jump on the bandwagon. Oh yeah, they're, they're underrated. Watch out for them. So I wanted to kind of mix things up a little and put something, some, maybe some programs out there that might've disappointed last year. Maybe we thought would be better um, that could actually come out this year and have a good season. And so I'm going to start with the Washington Huskies. And as much as I dislike them because they are our rivals, I went to Washington state. Um, I will have to say that the transition for them is fairly smooth with new head coach Jimmy Lake. He was brought in um, like uh, Day was at Ohio State. He was already in the program, in-house replacement. Uh, They have a solid defense. The only question for me is that quarterback situation. But I could see the Washington Huskies being a Pac-12 team um, that maybe does some good when they're not being looked at this year. So that's going to be my first one. Any thoughts on the Huskies? Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, they're always an interesting team to me. Like if you're looking at the West Coast, obviously USC is a big name. Uh, Oregon's kind of been the team 
out of that conference. But yeah. Washington has had a ton of success. Um, you know, they've they've made it into the final four. Like they've done all of the things that that top level teams do. And I feel like they typically have an opportunity because they can they can recruit out of yeah. their area. You know, like they can they can compete with the best of them over in the West Coast. So um I'm with you on that. And it's never surprising when they have success. They play a good schedule. Like I said, they have good players. And you're 100% right. Keeping um, their their coaching change in-house is mm-hmm. going to work wonders for them, especially now uh, with COVID being a circumstance that all these teams have to deal with. You're going through a coaching change where you're bringing in a totally different system and new faces you've never seen before. It's a lot tougher. Jimmy Lake is going to make that a lot easier. Um, so they will definitely have a chance if we're playing ball to make some noise. All right, Joshua. I, I want you to throw one out there. And I'm guessing it's going to be a Big Ten school because you know all the ins and outs. So yeah, um, throw it at me. And it could be one that's on my list because you're seeing my list right now. So Sure. So in terms of underrated, this is going to sound a little bit funny. People are going to be looking at me crazy. But I, I truly think that uh, Maryland has an opportunity to exceed expectations. Yeah, I like it. You know, it's not necessarily that they're going to be a 10-win team or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not setting that table for them. But um, Mike Loxley is, you say what you want about him as a game day coach, right? Um, he recruits his tail off and players absolutely love the guy. So I think over time in building a culture and building a team, uh, he's going to have success that way, but he's done an outstanding job of recruiting talent in a very talent rich area in the DMV. And Maryland has some booster money that they're able to throw around, which really helps. But the fact that they can get talented mm-hmm. players into their building is a key for them. And I expect them to have, obviously, the, the you know the floor is low because of what they did last year, but I expect them to potentially double their win total. Yeah, I, I like Maryland. And I think, again, I go back to last year, and I remember the start that they had, and we, we were all kind of like, whoa what's going on at Maryland. And then obviously there was a significant drop off, but we've seen what they've done in the off season. Um, I know it's, it Maryland kind of always is a program in the big 10 that catches my attention, even though sometimes it's not always for the, the right reasons. For some reason, they always seem to keep their name in the mix with things. Um, so, you know, maybe they can actually prove it on the field this year. Just like you said, not blowing people out of the water, but but maybe more so than people thought, um, being a better team in the Big Ten, competing at a, a, a better level in the Big Ten this upcoming season. Okay, so I am going to throw out this one. It's kind of random because it's a Big 12 school, which I don't really give a lot of credit to Big 12 schools. But um, Iowa State, I, I kind of like what the Cyclones have done. I know last year, I think they were 7-6. and six. Probably, I think we're expected to do a little more, but I look at, you know, what they have this year in terms of their head coach, I really like their head coach, their quarterback situation, he seems to be healthy and their defense. And so when I look at all of that and I look at their schedule when it comes to playing a team like Oklahoma and they have Oklahoma in Ames this year after Oklahoma plays Texas. And you get a game like that under your belt, beating beating a, a team like Texas in the Big 12, or sorry, Oklahoma in the Big 12, and maybe some things can really start to roll. So I like uh, maybe Iowa State being an underrated team. 
I definitely like that pick. I think they're one of those teams again where it's like, you know, they're 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 middle of the road to pushing up toward yeah. uh challenging in their conference. And I think those are the teams that one win. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like you need that statement. And that's exactly the deal. Like the statement wins change programs too. Like I I, I don't want that to <laughs> kinda to go unseen. But I mean in Iowa State's in a very interesting school too. You know how many like top level coaches yeah have come out of there like they i mean they've they've been able to yep. groom some coaches so i i always expect them to be able to push and do some big things so um here's a team that i like that i don't know how many people are really talking about oh boy but it's acc which is probably why nobody's talking about them <laughs> but i i think i think louisville has uh a shot to really oh. surprise some people you know their 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 roster is going to be good they 2018 was a really tough year for them, uh, yeah. but they were able to improve upon that. You know, we saw when they played Clemson, they made some really, really splash plays. And, it, it, yeah, you know, did. it's not like they were going to win the game necessarily, but they showed that they can compete at a top level with top level talent. And so I think, again, another year um, of being able to develop, of being in a system, um, another year for them to kind of have seen some of the the big plays and build that confidence is going to be huge. And again, when you look at the landscape of the ACC, uh, it's, it, I mean, it's Clemson and it's really a toss up after that, you know, Florida state's not a team that people are really talking about. Um, you know, you're looking at wake forest as, as one of the teams that might be a top team in that conference. Miami's not good. You know, like right. I, I just, I, I think that there is an opportunity for Louisville to be able to make some noise. So I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. Um, I also, I was wondering if you might say Cincinnati too. So <laughs> I love them. I don't, I don't even think that they're underrated at this point though. Just like yeah, the, yeah. the track record of success that they've had the last couple of years. Like they're, they're the group of five team right now to me. That's probably the front runner for that new year's six game. Yeah, no, I, no doubt. I mean, what Luke Fickle has done there. I mean, it's not surprising, especially for you who um, you obviously had him as a coach at Ohio state. Um, so you kind of know what he was, what he was, I guess, uh, had his potential of being right as a head coach. So sure. I don't think we're really surprised about that. Now this I'm, I'm curious because speaking of Cincinnati, Cincinnati will play Nebraska early on this season. And Nebraska is one of those teams that I have on my list. And, and really for this reason, because I think I'm giving Scott Frost like one more opportunity. Okay. You're going into a season, I think it's three now, right? Yeah. You're going into your third season. So while they were picked last year to actually do something, I think it was one of those where the media just jumped on early and said, oh, they're going to be good, all this stuff. And, you know, the expectations were probably a little bit higher um, than they needed to be. But now we're in year three. Everything seems to be, you know, settling down for him at Nebraska so this test early on with Cincinnati, I think will mean a lot, but I think it also means a lot in what direction this program goes in, in year three. And so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they'll pull it together this season um, and be a, a team that maybe not a lot of people were talking about 
that takes uh, the turn in the right direction. But I have a feeling that you're going to disagree with me on this, Joshua. 100%. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That's why I brought it up. I wanted some controversy in this podcast. No, you're getting the controversy. So here's my issue with Scott Frost is um, he's he's a hard-ass coach. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing yeah. wrong with that. But the hard-ass thing only works when you win games. Sure. Because then after that, you're, you know, you're just an a-hole and, um, you know, we've seen all of the transfers and a lot of folks will tell you it's guys who haven't played this, that, and the third, but, um, you know, JD Spielman, who's a great player for Nebraska and people might've said he wasn't a great locker room guy. Um, you know, he's leaving the program. That's a huge hit to that offense in terms of production. And so when, when you see the attrition guys leaving, um, you know, part of that is they don't fit the culture of what he wants to do. Part of that is, um, you know, maybe he's not an agreeable guy. I, I, I talk about this, like every time I talk about All Scott Frost, but yeah. he was, he was the cat this past year who, uh, was mad that his players were wearing sweatshirts and pregame warmups because it wasn't tough enough. And he's standing at the damn podium wearing a sweatshirt. That's you what know? you were saying. Yeah. Cause <laughs> you were like- definitely. Joshua is definitely our uh, fashion police folks, if you don't yes. know this already. So yeah. this is, just makes a lot of sense. Okay, yes. go on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to critique everybody's outfit. But um, you, you can't be mad at your players, and especially in a cold game where, you know, it's, the wind is whipping, it's a little bit snowy out or whatever, that your guys want to go out there and they want to they wanna get warm. They're, they're warming up, so they wear a sweatshirt, try to get a little sweat, and you're telling them they're not tough enough, and you're wearing a daggone sweatshirt yourself. I don't understand that. But anyway, um, to say all of that is – um, when you want to come in and you want to draw a hard line in your program and you want to set the tone, it's perfectly fine. The results have to follow. And uh, in two years, we haven't seen those results. And last year was a disappointment. And part of that is, um, for sure, the uh, expectation that the media put around the program. But oh, yeah. the other part of that was that they thought that they were actually going to have a better year than they did. So for mm-hmm. Scott Frost, I think this is not necessarily an underrated team, but this is a pivotal year for him in terms of um, will people buy into your program anymore if you don't win the games? You know, are, are people going to respect you as a coach when you're drawing a hard line and you won't waver and that hard line is not yielding the results? Because Urban Meyer was a very similar coach. He wanted tough guys. He drew a hard line. You know, he's, I mean, yeah. he, he ran some guys out of the program back in 2012 and 2013 that he didn't think uh, really fit the culture. But the difference was you win 12 games in, in 20. Uh, 12, you win 12 games in 2013, you turn around, win 14 in 2014, and then you win uh, 13 games or whatever it was and uh, 12 games or whatever it was in 2015. Like you, you win a lot of games and you can get away with being, um, being, you get away with being an asshole essentially. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what this team looks like just in terms of a mentality and a psyche. You know, you, you lose two games in a row And do you completely lose the locker room or are you really building that monster that you're trying to build? All right. So I just found a little tie here that I'm uh, really interested to talk about, get your perspective on. I am going to tie Mr. Scott Frost, head coach of Nebraska, back to his days as an assistant at Oregon, Mm. where he was a wide receivers coach and an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach where he crossed paths with Chip Kelly. And the way that you're describing Scott Frost, very interesting. you cover him <laughs> a lot in the Big Ten, the, a lot of the personality traits I'm hearing seem to be those that could be 
related to Chip Kelly. Sure. And some of the personality traits I've heard that, you know, what he carries, because I've had friends that have covered him back when he was at Oregon. Absolutely. Do you feel like, you know, sometimes if you're ever under a head coach that has success, that you maybe pick up some of those traits, and I'm not saying he didn't have any of those before, but decides like, oh, you know, maybe this is a part of having success is kind of having that a-hole mentality. Um, what do you think? I mean, because I'm kind of, I'm kind of drawing some similarities here, Joshua. Sure. I, I think that's a, a fair comparison. Like I'll, I'll throw this out there. Um, Urban Meyer and Chip Kelly are, are very close friends. Yes. Um, I've seen Chip Kelly at the Woody um, yep. with Urban going over some different things. And I, I don't think it's necessarily um, a coincidence that those two guys could be labeled as uh, hard <laughs> to get along with, uh, hard to agree with. I, I think it's a part of what's what, led them to having success as coaches when you're around somebody like that and you you've you've been groomed by a coach like that I think it's easy to pick up their traits now I think when he was at Central Florida it was a little bit of a different scenario the underdog you know he he was able to recruit talent rich guys like he was getting Florida leftovers and then he was playing you know teams from the Midwest, for example, uh, throughout the American, like you're going to beat those guys just because you're more talented. And we saw that that talent translates over in a national level. And those guys had some buy-in um, because, you know, like it wasn't just they were second tier talent in Florida. Maybe it was some guys that um, they might've had a little bit of trouble in high school and kind of chased off the big schools. He was able to get them um, and, and draw that hard line. And those guys bought into it. I think the other part of why he is so, why he is so gung-ho on doing things his way is because he was very successful as a player at Nebraska in the 90s when they were ball. Sure, sure. And I think he really thinks that he can elevate that program back to that level. I think that is a fool's exercise. I, I personally believe that Nebraska has no chance of replicating any type of success they had in the 90s. Too hard to recruit there. The conference they're playing in has too many good teams. It just doesn't make sense. But he has a vision of... And he was the guy who was brought in to to bring them back to that because their fan base can't let that go. Um, so I, I kind of think that part of it is, uh, yes, it's it's the the nurture, um, but part of it also is the nature of him as a person and and probably um, too high of expectations coming in that he was going to be able to elevate a program that I think has a hard ceiling uh, just because of, of geography and also because of the conference they play in. Yeah, and I think because he had such success at UCF um, that year, I think that, you know, when he was there, he he didn't have a lot of eyes on him until they were pretty much undefeated. Right. And so, and maybe he was kind of doing things more true to, you know, I know that he, he demands the best out of his players, but maybe he didn't, he didn't kind of try to push it so hard. I feel like here he's just trying to prove a point, right? For sure. It's almost like he's trying too hard. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see that 100%. Yeah. And so now that, like you said, he had all these expectations the minute he went to Nebraska. I can't even imagine like the fan base and what, yeah. you know, their expectations are out of a former player as well. So well, um, I'll, I'll tell you curious, this too. It's a curious topic. Yeah. If I was a, a Nebraska fan, I, I don't think the on-field results would be the most disappointing thing. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever watched a Scott Frost press conference, and he's he's got a pretty like uh, a pretty even demeanor to begin with, but yeah. like it almost seems like he's pouting half the time because he's a, a low talker and 
a little yeah. bit of a mumbler and it's just like bruh you are the leader of yeah. a division one power five conference team with a storied tradition like you need to come with a little bit more juice a little bit more passion and energy um your presentation's got to be a little bit better so i think it's it's a total combination of um all the things that we said and also the fact that i, I truly believe that um he's a good coach that's a little bit in over his head yeah, no, I think that's the perfect way to put it, Joshua. And so while they are one of my underrated teams, um, all of the things that we just said probably go to disprove that, which I'm no, it's fine. fine. I mean, they, they do have an opportunity. They're playing in the Big Ten West. I think Minnesota is going to be a really good team. Wisconsin, obviously, is always somebody to contend with. But outside of that, like you, you get to make your own decision on how good you want to be in the Big Ten West. So they've yeah. got an opportunity. They just got to go out there and win games. Yeah, so I, I, I'll be interested in the teams that we, we just discussed um, if they do play this season. We'll have to go back and maybe check in on what we said and replay what we said uh, with some of these underrated teams that we just discussed. Well, that that was fun. Uh, that was. time just, like, whipped by, and I always enjoy ripping on coaches. That's so fun. Me too, honestly. <laughs> they make Truly. too much money to not. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. But again, we love hearing from you guys on social media. Um, we love, you know, your guys' comments. Again, we always hear about new listeners each and every week. So if you have not checked out our podcast, we would love for you to go check it out on Apple Podcasts. Just type in Press Pass and give us a like and subscribe to us, all of that good stuff. You can also go follow us on our social media platforms. Joshua is always very interactive on his Twitter platform, especially. So where can they go to follow you and bug you and ask you questions, all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J E P had a great conversation yesterday about, uh, about college actually, you know, with, with uh, Harvard announcing that they, they were doing all remote learning. Uh, We had the conversation is $50,000 worth it for zoom university. Oh yeah. I saw this. I saw this and I was going to ask you about this. Yep. So my PSA to all of the uh, specifically first and second year students, and and especially if you're at a state school uh, you need to call your university right now. If they're going to be doing, I think if they're going to be doing any combination of um, hybrid learning and get your money back for your first year or your second year or whatever it is, go to community college, knock out your classes. It's going to save you, you know, 15 to 20 grand over the course of this year. Um, especially, especially if you are financing your college, because we have a yep. student loan debt issue right now. If you're cash flow in college, a little bit of a different scenario, but if, if you are financing it, you need to go ahead and save that money. Um, I'm going to go on my, my little soapbox. No, here, I just, this is a great point. Yeah, it's, it's very important, young people, to make sure you're making uh, good decisions about your future. And a lot of that involves the finances in which you 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 leverage uh, to be able to attain your future. Uh, but yeah, I mean, $50,000 over the course of a year for Zoom University sounds like a little bit of a money grab and a hoax to me. I know that students at Harvard can't do the transfer credit thing, um, so it really sucks for them. But if you're at a state school, especially, and you're young within your collegiate career, you need to look at other options, save yourself a little bit of money. It's the same education. You'll graduate with the same degree and you'll be a lot happier because you won't have as much debt. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Joshua. Um, When I did see that, I was like, he brought up such a great point. Uh, People, if you want to go check out that post and some of the the, uh, comments that he's had, it's it's a a good, good... 
kind of comment that you wouldn't think about in times like this, but when you're paying that money long term, oh my goodness, ridiculous to think about. Um, so definitely go follow Joshua, always great conversation there. And you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Instagram and Twitter as well. We'll be back here next week, hopefully with some new stuff on college football, seeing if we're getting closer to having a season or not. But until then, you guys enjoy your week. Take care. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.